Yakshamash, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter. Can the Wisconsin Badgers men's basketball team not give up 80 points in the basketball game? We'll see tonight against Iowa. Uh, we'll break down more of that uh, probably in the next week's show just because uh, we'll have we'll figure out where they're seated in the Big Ten Conference Tournament along with uh, we'll have, uh, be able to talk about where they stand and, and what happens going forward for the NCAA tournament and, and if they can actually get up to a five seed or if they'll be stuck in a six to eight seed right now based off of their uh, not peaking in the right time or the complete opposite of. So uh, see what the Badgers do. That's uh, coming up at eight o'clock Central Standard Time. We're here with the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski. I'm Jay Kokorowski. But, you know, before that, it is that time of the year. We had National Signing Day at the beginning of the month, at the end of the month now, obviously in the March. It is March 2nd. Football does not end, uh, and that's what the football gods have now created and is the NFL Scouting Combine, where six Wisconsin Badgers are, uh, three of them today, talk to the media, and... Uh, are now going to test tomorrow running backs and offensive linemen and quarterbacks uh, in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. And with us to talk not just about their prospects, uh, what you see out of what you'll see on Friday with Ryan Ramchek and running backs Corey Clement and Daria Gumbawale, we got Evan Tex Western here to talk about who the Packers could be looking for. And, and maybe even a better question, you know, that we can merge the Packers and Badgers topics. Can or will the Packers look at T.J. Watt at outside linebacker? So that, that's my little Badger running. Uh, but Tex, how you doing? How's Indy? And how are they treating you down there? Hey, uh, thanks for having me. Things are things are good. It's um, it's always an exciting week, and it's a lot of fun to, to talk to these guys coming up for the draft class. Um, always get a get a kick out of talking to Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, who both spoke, both spoke on Wednesday. Um, and it's it's interesting that uh, two of the three uh, Wisconsin guys who talked today mentioned meetings with the Packers that they've had so far during the draft process. So you never know. They might, uh, you know, certainly the, the Packers look like they're in the market for some edge rushers, and, and T.J. Water, Vince Beagle might fit that bill, but they're certainly also, you know, probably looking – shore up the running back position and who knows maybe Corey Clement or maybe for them day three as well but uh, Indy's good it's it's a little chilly but that's nothing nothing out of the ordinary um but otherwise um yeah things are things are going well oh Scotty go go for it brother oh no I you know I was I thought we were going to jump into the the Badgers so you know let's get the Badger stuff out of the way because as we get deeper into this conversation I want to find out some of the surprises some of the people there that you've observed that you you think may have overperformed but but let's let's jump into the the so far what you've seen out of the badgers that are at the combine anything that's surprised you has it been status quo what you've expected anybody that's been a disappointment just your overall take on the badgers in indianapolis yeah, so far we've only really seen the the physical measurements come in, but there there was a little bit of surprise with that for me on on Clement and Dari. Um, I, I was surprised that Clement came in at a, basically a flat five foot ten, which um, I think he was listed anywhere between six foot or six one um, in the in the program. So so that kind of that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Still measured in at, at two hundred twenty pounds, so he's still built like a 
a Mack truck. But uh, Darib was was bigger than I anticipated he would be. He came in about 5'11 and 3'8", I think, um, as far as his height. And then I think he was uh, 213. Yep, 213. Um, as far as the weight goes. So I think that probably uh, helps him out a little bit um, as far as any questions about his durability, his ability to play as more than just a third down back, but also, um, you know, potentially being, being able to do more than, more than that and, and run the ball inside and, and, you know, run some, some stretch plays and things like that and, and be really a, a well-rounded running back rather than just a, a receiving and blocking option. So those are the couple things that surprised me. Um, you won't see Ryan Ramchick do much in workouts tomorrow just because of the the injury and the surgery that he had um he was talking today saying that he'll probably not be back to full strength and, and full uh workout capabilities until um sometime this summer but he did say he'll probably he expects to be ready to go when training camp begins wherever he ends up which is certainly a good sign for him and it'll be a good sign for whoever ends up drafting him and you know evan you, you kind of look at like i'm looking through the bench press numbers and i know bench press you know you read through like i know pro football focus had kind of a a talk about just bench press not necessarily being a great statistical measure of, of, of strength or, or, or it is for strength in general, but not functional strength necessarily. Yep. Case in point, Travis Frederick, I think if I'm not mistaken or other, or maybe that was his, that was his 40 yard time, but just, I think it was even Robin, Robbie Havenstein and a couple others uh, offensive tackles from years past didn't necessarily test out well in that category, but they're still drafted or have made NFL careers. I'm looking right now, Clement had 19 according to NFL.com. Uh, Ogumba Wale had 14. Uh, so, you know, they're, you know, they're, it's pretty, you know, I know Ogumba Wale's was a little bit lower, uh, but even Christian McCaffrey for that matter had 10 and Donnell Pumphrey who quote unquote broke Ron Dane's record uh, for FBS all time leading yardage <laughs> at five. Uh, that, uh, my editorial aside, uh, you know, is there anything to expect from the 40-yard dash from from these guys? Did they, they talk about what they're hoping to run? I, you know, I, I heard things about Ogumba Wale possibly being a mid-round guy, depending upon what he does. Uh, I mean, I think is is in your maybe in your opinion, this is kind of a, just an open-ended question. Like the three-cone drill, I think is what's going to separate them, right? Like that's that's like a yes. focus with like lateral speed. I'm looking at the fact you 40 yard. You have to, obviously you want that explosion down the field in a 40 yard dash, but really that three cone drill is really going to show off the teams, especially the guy like Agumba Wale, who is being projected as a third down back. It can really show his worth and how well he can transition. We all saw what he could do with that first step at Wisconsin. Yeah, I think you're starting to see teams look more at that three cone drill time than even um, even necessarily the 40 in in a lot of cases and and certainly i think the packers have done that as far as their cornerbacks go you're looking at, at guys like micah hyde who had you know it, it truly elite three cone times but but didn't show that that great line and so yeah for for goomba wally that's key and run the three cone in you know something under seven seconds if he's in like a 6.8 range that's fantastic and um and that should definitely help him out i don't think clement will 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 test out as well on that particular drill um i can see him being pretty close as far as their their straight 40 goes but um yeah definitely in the, the three cone is probably where Dari is gonna gonna make his hit and um and really hopefully improve his stock so you know this is i always looked upon by people in in some of the circles i run as as being you know kind of a heresy but 
sometimes, you know, I, I and I think you and I have talked about this, I think last year, you know, how people sometimes can get uh, blinded by the numbers. And I kind of look at it the same way as sabermetrics. I think sabermetrics are important, but I think it's also easy to fall too much in love with them. 40, 40 yard time is a good example. You know, if you run a 4-4 and I run a 4-3, that means you're a tenth of a second faster than me over 40 yards, but you might be a better football player. You might just be instinctively better. And I know some GMs still, you know, use that, use their gut, and some are just straight numbers guys. Do you think that sometimes uh, people just get too entrenched with the numbers? Oh, there's some things that are obvious. There's numbers that are obviously better than others, but when you're getting into fractions of seconds or – three reps on the bench press more than someone else. Do you think that sometimes good players fall in drafts because of numbers that where they might still have been good, but just not as great as somebody else's? Yeah, I don't think you, you have small incremental differences like that that really make a huge difference in a guy's draft stock, especially when you're deciding between a couple of guys with, with close measurements, but not, you know, not, not exact, uh, exactly the same same i think what you you see more often is teams like green bay teams like seattle um they like to look for guys who stand out in overall athleticism over a a wide range of these drills so a guy like dean lowry is a great example he tested out really well in the vertical the broad jump um did good at real real time in the three cone for his weight you know at almost almost 300 pounds and Thinking athletic is definitely a very important component for a lot of these teams, and it is is something that Ted Thompson, his his proteges, and, and other teams are are really valuing and looking for. But then you also have to have the tape to back up those movements. You have to uh, have you know proven production at the college level, and it, it's a matter a matter of really matching those things up and finding the guys where. Um, yeah, you, you might have an, an outlier that, that really jumps out at you, like a Jeff Janis who who just blows up and, and doesn't really have the competition or the tape um, to, to necessarily back that up. But then that's why he's a seventh round pick and not you know a, a second guy or a, or a round one guy. We talk about the combine numbers and those are a little bit more cut and dry, uh, but we're looking at kind of the big picture and saber metrics and advanced metrics in baseball and basketball. And, and some of that starting to work its way into football. What does that look like? What what are some of the advanced numbers that people are using to, to kind of grade out football players both off-season, like at the combine, and in-season uh, on the field? Well, I think the, the combine, obviously, you know, that's the, the original sort of sabermetric thing for, for football is you, you get all these athletic numbers and this testing and stuff. But in, in season and, and for, for players in the league, you're starting to see, and what I think will really be that explosion of data is going to be the, these GPS monitors that these players are wearing. Um, you get all this real-time data about speed and, and change of direction and um, you know, all this, this vast wealth of information. Um, and, and I think that's really going to start being put to use and, uh, and really analyzed thoroughly over the next couple of years to try to figure out, um, you know, differences in players, scouting, um, all, all these sorts of things. And, and the Packers are already, already sort of doing something like this with, with these monitors for, um, for injury, you know, injury related issues, um, trying to keep an eye on, on guys' hydration levels and things like that. But, you know, I think as you see them, you know, getting more data as far as the actual movement of the players, that's going to be um, the next big thing, I think, as far as um, analyzing these guys. 
And with that, we're here with Evan Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. You, you talk about just some of these other players too. You look at, and you know, maybe I'll go back more to the Badger side. You know, uh, T.J. Watt. And, and let me just, by the way, clarify too. Tomorrow, you know, tomorrow is running backs, offensive line, and specialists. I apologize, quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, you are looking at Saturday's group and tight ends, um, for that matter. And then Sundays are your D line and linebackers. Monday is your safeties, defensive backs there. Um, but, you know, you look at, you know, linebackers for that matter. And obviously there's Nick Perry for the Packers that's, a, you know, that could be testing the free agent while there's Julius Peppers is a question mark if he's going to return. You know, um, when, it, when it comes to this, when you have this team, uh, you know, with like the Packers and obviously you're looking at, uh, you know, is a guy like a, like a Vince Beagle, is a guy like T.J. Watt, you know, like where, how do you see them projecting? Because Beagle uh, has, you know, he, he came back for his senior year, had, had a decent year out. I mean, the stats didn't show it, but he, he's a good edge rusher. T.J. Watt's obviously the, the flashier name, and I think the more athletic edge rusher as an outside linebacker. Just, uh, you know, how are – how do you feel they're they're going to perform? And do you think a team like the Packers are going to look at them? And who else from that outside linebacker range could the, the Packers be targeting? Yeah, I think the, the the point on free agency is is exactly right. The the Packers have exactly one of their top five outside linebackers from last year still under contract for 2017 right now, and that's Clay Matthews. And Mike McCarthy has made it very clear that he wants him to play both inside and outside next year. So. Somehow you've got to get depth there, and and certainly you could do that by re-signing a guy like Perry um, to a big money deal. You can probably get Dayton Jones back for for a reasonable price tag, but you're going to have to add through the draft. Um, and that's that's obviously Ted Thompson's mo. He's not gonna, he's not likely to go out and, and pick up a, a high priced free agent from someplace else. So I, I think you, you're definitely going to see Watt and Beagle in the in the discussion. Um, the guys that I'm talking to aren't aren't quite as high on Watts as I think a lot of Badgers fans are. Um, and I'm not necessarily entirely sure why, because just on, based on the eye test, you know, um, for, from my admittedly untrained eye, as far as a scouting perspective goes, um, you know, he was, he was massively disruptive as a pass rusher. And that's fundamentally what you, you pay your linebackers to do uh, in, in a three, four system. So I, I would love to see Watt in green Bay. Um, my my hang up is I don't know if he's necessarily quite first round caliber. Um, I don't know that his his game is well rounded enough to really be um, be in that conversation as far as both stopping the run as well as, as rushing the passer and then dropping into coverage. Um, Beagle looks to me kind of like a, a late day two, early day three guy. Um, I, I would love to see him in Green Bay as a as kind of a rotational player early on who can who can play the run a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, they're, they're certainly going to be in the conversation, I think. The one name that's really started to pop up, though, um, you know, because of what I mentioned earlier about the Packers really liking their athletes, is Takaris McKinley out of UCLA. And he's one of those guys who, again, he's a UCLA player, and Ted seems to love his Pac-12 guys. But um, he's ex- widely expected to just blow up on the, in the combine on, on Sunday when he runs. I mean, there's talk about he could run around a 4-5. 
uh, at about 260 pounds. And so that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Um, if he does that, he might be long gone by the time the Packers pick, though. So then you're looking at some of these uh, some of these guys from the SEC, maybe a Derek Barnett from Tennessee, maybe a Ryan Anderson or a Tim Williams from Alabama if they uh, if they feel the off the field stuff checks out with Williams. So those are a couple names that I've got out there for for maybe the end of round one um, as far as the edge rushers go. All right, I'm, by the way, I'm back. I don't know if you if you heard. I I dropped. Now I had my uh, my Skype issues, um, but I, without being redundant, because I know you were answering the question about free agency when when I did uh, drop out. If the if the Packers were going to do something in free agency, if Ted Thompson was going to uh, do something out of character for him. What's the what? What would be the most likely target? And it doesn't have to be a specific player, although it could be if you have some insight on it. But a position, obviously, linebacker, as you mentioned, you know, with with the amount of players they could lose at that position. But you know, you've heard rumors, and I I don't put much stock in the whole Adrian Peterson uh, rumor. Uh, but that obviously, they could use help anywhere on defense, especially in the secondary. So let me give you my my one word reaction to the Adrian Peterson rumors. Uh, please no. So that's 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 how I feel about that. Um, no, I, I think if you see him step out of his normal mo, it's going to be either for a corner or a pass rusher. Um, McCarthy said that those are the premier positions on the defense. I think Ted agrees with that. Um, those are really the you know those positions, and then linemen are the three spots where he's used um, first round picks with any regularity, and so. Um, yeah, you, you, there's a couple of corners out there who, um, you know, who could be interesting signs for for some of, some of them are high priced guys like AJ Bouye from from Houston, Stephen Gilmore from Buffalo. I mean, those are the big names. I think you could also see a player end up getting cut for salary cap purposes and and just providing a, a little bit of a veteran presence. Um, Devon House is probably going to get cut in Jacksonville, and I certainly would not rule out a return to Green Bay for him. Um, I still think there's a chance that Bonte Davis gets cut in Indianapolis, that maybe Dominique Rogers Cromartie gets cut from the Giants, and if those are if those one of those guys uh, ends up on the market, um, I, I could see one of them being you know potentially interested in coming to Green Bay as well. But yeah, corner I think is is the more likely area. If you're going to see Ted sign a veteran, it's probably going to be at that position, just because there's not that much to go around as far as linebackers go. It's with the guys that have been franchise tag, Nick Perry is basically the top guy in the market. And so that makes me think that he's probably going to end up getting big money from somebody else who, who desperately needs a pass rusher and is going to will, be willing to throw the bank at him, essentially. Here with Tex Western here at Acme Packing Company. Make sure you guys check them out on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, obviously their website, acmepackingcompany.com, because of all the combine news and notes. And, and we're here talking a mix of Packers, it's a mix of Badgers, and um, in your opinion, you know, kind of going, I mean, where do you, I mean, this is kind of more of a, maybe a sleeper talk, because, you know, we've talked about Ramchuk, and he looks like a first-round draft pick, obviously, with a lot of the mocks going, you're talking about Beagle and Watt, you're looking at Clement and Ogumbawale, that could be, uh, you know, day two, day three picks, depending upon, and probably more day three, obviously, for them. A sleeper like Soldier and Shelton, and maybe this is where we go more in the sleeper category uh, for the Combine, you know, and there's been talk, you know, Bleacher Report did a video, Michael Felder did a, a 
just a quick what 40 second video about why he feels Shelton could be a big name there you hear and I heard from guys like Tyrone Carter the 11 year veteran uh, for you know I spoke with him who's training Shelton in Minneapolis one day a week on position drills uh, what you know I mean it's and of course having the tutelage of Jim Leonard who praised his efforts uh, as well on Twitter what do you see I mean, he's a smaller cornerback. He's looking to be around 180 pounds when he weighs in uh, on uh, either Friday or Saturday. But, like, what do you, you know, a guy like him, great cover skills, but the size necessarily isn't there. Um, but he could surprise people in agility drills and in the 40 and, and then also position work where we all know he's, he's solid and especially a senior season locked down one side of the defense. But who else? I mean, what do you see from Shelton's game? But what do you see from other guys uh, in terms of a sleeper pick that could be intriguing to watch uh, over these next four days? Yeah, I mean, there's there's any number of guys to, to look at. Um, there's a couple of receivers that I'm actually really interested in as far as the sleepers go. Uh, one guy is Taewon Taylor out of Western Kentucky. And I think he's going to just He's going to have a great workout on Saturday. Um, he's a he's kind of a freak athlete, and um, he could be in the running for you know potentially running one of the fastest forties here here in Indianapolis this week. Um, Shelton, I think, can be an interesting guy. Um, I don't think you'll see him in Green Bay just because he's a lot shorter than than the the Packers' traditional cutoff for corners. But I do think that he'll probably make some team very happy sometime on day three of the draft. Um, you know, because like you said, he's got those pure cover skills. I think if he shows well in, in agility drills and in, in terms of some of his, uh, his interviews as far as his, his grasp of the game and his grasp of defenses, I think he could, uh, maybe slot in as a, as a slot corner somewhere, um, and contribute, you know, there right off the bat and, and gradually start working into, um, you know, working out to, to an outside role. So, so Shelton's certainly a guy I think you could, you could mention. Um, as far as pass rushers go, there's a couple of guys out of Youngstown State that intrigue me. One of them is Derek Rivers. He's been getting a little bit of hype since the Senior Bowl. The other one is, um, I think his name is Avery Moss. He transferred from Nebraska over to Youngstown when Bo Pelini made the switch, um, from, again, from Nebraska to Youngstown. And he and Rivers have been really good, um, pass rushers on opposite sides of the football. Uh, for for the the Penguins the last two years, so those are those are a couple names I'd keep an eye out on for for day three. Uh, potentially guys that that Green Bay might be interested in. I think Taylor's got a um, Taylor the receiver has a build kind of similar to Craig Jennings, and so there could be a comparison there. But he's uh, he, he might even be a better athlete than Jennings was. But um, yeah, keep an eye on Rivers and, and Moss as, as far as the linebackers go as well. You know, Tex, uh, one of the things we talked about. Um, on this show and in other places as we got towards the end of the regular season into the postseason you know obviously the rumors of Ted Thompson uh, maybe stepping down or resigning it, it being his last year that obviously didn't happen um, and I, I, I've been a supporter of Ted Thompson and still am for the most part but the, one of the things that can't be denied is the last three or four years his drafts ha- are, clearly haven't paid the dividends that his first five or six drafts. And I know that they lost uh, guys like Schneider and, and Dorsey and, and McKenzie in that draft room. And, and obviously I think it, it it's kind of shown a little bit, but when you look at Ted Thompson and forget about the fact that he doesn't go after free agents, cause that's just his style. And that style is what it is. But what would you 
look when you look at his drafts, how would you grade them the last three or four years? And do you think that as a general manager and a talent evaluator, he's on a downside slide, or has he just been in a little bit of a slump, or have they just missed on a few guys that that should have been better? Yeah, that's a that's a tough thing to evaluate as far as you know the overall scouting strategy, just because especially from the outside, you know, you, it, it's tough to to see what really goes into it and and why they made some of the decisions that they did. But um, yeah, your, your point that, that they haven't necessarily gotten huge production out of at least top end guys um, in the last couple of years, uh, you know, Dayton Jones hasn't really um, produced like they hoped he would as a, as a, a down lineman. Um, I actually think if he comes back, he'll have a good year next year as a, as an edge rusher. But that's a, that's a different story. I think you've seen a lot of guys, um, in those those first two days of the draft have have suffered through some some nasty injuries and that has really sapped them of some of the production that they maybe should have had um you saw it with randall and rollins the corners last year you saw it with Devontae adams the year before um jones didn't necessarily have injury issues but um just kind of finding his his role was a challenge as well but you've also seen Ted hit on some of these guys in the middle rounds. You know, he's got a, a franchise left tackle in David Bakhtiari that, you know, he picked out of nowhere um, in the fourth round. You've got a, a very solid center in Corey Lindsley that he got in the fifth round. And so there's there's useful players there. There's there's more than useful players in, in some of those cases. Um, it's just the, the volume of of those guys maybe isn't, isn't as high as it had been. And I think it's, it's in large part due to some of the struggles that the, the early draft picks have had due to, due to those injuries. And I don't know that you can really hold that so much against, um, against Thompson. I don't know if you can really hold it against anybody. Uh, look at Nick Perry. He went four years without actually practicing in, in the spring uh, a single time. And then, you know, finally this year he, uh, he has a, a fully healthy offseason, and he he explodes for a big year. So I, I don't necessarily think he's he's lost his edge so much as a talent evaluator. I think he's he's still surrounded himself with good assistants, good scouts. Um, I just think there's been some unfortunate circumstances that have led uh, to decreased production from the draft classes. Tex, I know we've kept you for a bit, man. We really appreciate it. Just uh, before we let you go, what can people expect out of Acme Packing Company? Uh, yeah, and I, uh, I, I tend to uh, agree with that a little bit. And, you know, obviously uh, in Green Bay, I don't think there's been a more polarizing person. Maybe, I mean, I've been, been around 40-some years, a more polarizing person than Ted Thompson because you either love the guy and he can do no wrong uh, that's probably like 35% of the fan base. And another 35% of the fan base will criticize whatever it is he does. And then you have the people in the middle, the other 30% who's like, yeah, they're a little bit more uh, uh, realistic. We'll grade them, you know, good and bad. But I've never seen, you know, Packer fans as divided sometimes about about this man. And, and I think one of the things people forget, yeah, free agency is nice, and it'd be nice if they – would do a little bit more, dabble a little bit more. When he's done it, he's he's hit. Peppers, Woodson, just to name a few. But look around the league at how many teams dive into free agency, and it's a colossal failure that ends up being a drain on on team salary caps. And, and I think Absolutely. it's funny because when when people wanna wanna basically uh, tell you everything that's wrong with Ted Thompson, they don't bring up teams like the Washington Redskins of four or five, six years ago when they would blow money like it was going out of style and had nothing to show for it. 
So I, I just, it, I don't think there's anybody across the league, and I know everybody it, fans hate general managers and hate coaches, but I don't think I've ever seen a team that's been as successful as Green Bay have such a polarizing general manager. No, I, I completely agree. We see that all the time. You know, I, I see it on Twitter. I see it in the comments on Acme Packing Company. Um, you, you've got the the people on both sides of the aisle just at each other's throats about you know what the the right approach to things are uh, is and and you know should should they be really diving into to free agency with both feet? Um, I'm kind of you know as usual I tend to find fall somewhere in the middle like you where I'd like to see him you know make more moves like Jared Cook on on some of these um, you know low risk high reward potential uh, contracts. But um, you know, even though, like you said, when he when he's done some, he's hit. But um, it's a little it's a little frustrating to see the fan base sort of tear itself apart when you've got a team that's made the playoffs what eight straight years and gone to three NFC championships in the last seven. Um, that's a pretty damn good stretch of success, and one that not many teams are able to match uh, outside of New England. So I, I think there's there's a a bit of a uh, a need to appreciate what you do have, and um, you know, don't don't run the guy out of town just because um, you don't necessarily like his approach, even though it's it's pr- provided your team with a pretty good level of success. You know, absolutely, and and one of the things that you just triggered something in my mind. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I read something on a, a message board or have a conversation, and somebody says, "Well, you know, uh, the Packers are this, this, this." But we need uh, Bill Belichick in a New England franchise. There's only <laughs> one of those. Understand? There's only one. So there's that means that there are, are easily 31 other NFL teams that could stand up and say exactly the same thing about their team. And that's that to me. That's that's the sort of corny stuff that that becomes laughable at times. Yeah, I mean, you, you you got people who are saying fire Ted Thompson. Well, okay, who are you going to replace him with? Um, right. If you go with Elliot Wolf or Brian Gutekunst, who who had uh, GM interviews this year and ended up staying in Green Bay, you know, it's not like either of those guys are have proven that they're able to to manage the football operations of an entire team. Um, you know, certainly as as scouts, their opinion is is valued and. Uh, they've they've contributed a lot in, in that aspect, but you know they're they're not proven guys, so it's not like you're um, you're guaranteed to get an upgrade from from Ted if you if you let him go. And that's the same thing I say about you know people who were calling for Mike McCarthy's head all the time. Um, who are you going to replace him with? And and recognize that there are certain things that he does very well, and you are not likely to find an upgrade on the open market um, if you let a guy like him go. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and Jake, I know you want to wrap this up, but yeah, that just remind remind everybody there that when McCarthy got hired, it could have been Brad Childress. It could have been oh. Brad Childress. <laughs> so just remember that when you want to run Mike McCarthy out of town. I, you know, I, I will say with Brad Childress that he did, we did get him for the book for Walk On This Way, my daily, my weekly plug of my of the, the book. So he did talk to us about his time at Wisconsin with some fun stuff. So I can't talk too bad about Brad uh, and what he does now that he's uh, over in uh, Kansas city. But uh, you know, Tex, before we let you go, I know we've gone a little long due to some audio troubles, man, but uh, Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for uh, coming on. And what can you, what can fans expect from Acme packing company and you coming on the rest of combine weekend? So what we're doing, um, I'm doing about a little 15-minute quick uh, 
quick daily wrap-up podcast each day this week. So I'll have that the next uh, next two days as well. Um, we've got um, we're doing some Facebook live videos with some of the other SB Nation people who are here in in Indianapolis with me. Um, we're all kind of working together doing a, a general recap of um, of the day's events. And then um, certainly a lot more player interviews the next couple days. Um, like you said, quarterbacks, receivers, uh, tight ends are coming up tomorrow. Then you start moving over into the defense um, over the weekend. So keep an eye out for uh, plenty of, of interviews, plenty of, uh, of quotes, and um, a whole lot of, of recaps and, and uh, breakdowns of all the testing and the measurements and everything coming up this weekend. That's great, Tex. We appreciate it. Guys, we're going to wrap up the podcast here. I got to put the kids to bed, and we got to take care of a couple things on my end. Uh, make sure you guys check out Tex and Western. Uh, you know, of course, at Twitter at Tex Western. Follow Scotty at Kilboss at uh, Scott Wisnews two. Me at b 5 q We'll come back next week uh, here on the show talking some Badger hoops, talking some Marquette hoops, talking NCAA tournaments, some spring training, hopefully. we got a lot going on. This is some fun times going on this time of the year. We'll hopefully talk some more combine to see uh, where the Badgers stood and who, you know, what lies ahead with some more free agency talk. So uh, from all of us here at the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza, those of Bachenia, my friends, we'll see you next week.